0: Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience podcast. And this is the first episode I'm recording in um, a new mini series that I'm really excited to bring you. We had um, a recent guest on the podcast, who uh, was sharing so much about her international experience and it really got my wheels turning and honestly I just thought it was fun and so hopefully you loved it as much as I did because now we're going to do a bunch more international episodes. So without further ado, please my dear guest, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, where you're from, and what organization you're involved with slash how you're involved with Girl Scouts or Girl Guides.
1: Oh hi, um, my name's Stephanie. I'm a brownie leader in the UK in Cheshire, which is in the northwest of the UK. It's near uh, Manchester and Liverpool. And I run a brownie unit, which in the UK are seven to 10 year olds. Um, and I've been a brownie leader for about 22 years. So I think I've got a bit of practice. <laughs> um, in the UK, we have uh, names, different names for our um, brownie leaders. Generally speaking, the brownie leaders are called Brown Owl and Snowy Owl and Tawny Owl, but I've never been an owl. So all the brownies in my unit call me Kingfisher.
0: Okay. Wait, back, back <laughs> up for me. I'm just a little... So in, in any brownie group, um, there, those three owl distinctions are... like That's
1: usually, yeah, it's usually the leader in charge is Brown Owl and then snowy owl and tawny owl are like helping her out but we've not got owls in my unit we we've all got silly names so I'm kingfisher okay um, <laughs> I've always been kingfisher
0: and the girls call you that or call yeah. you what they all call me kingfisher yeah okay so that's how they know you do they know your um non-girl guiding name
1: <laughs> maybe I'm not sure um nobody calls it me um so I don't think so obviously all their parents know my real name uh, because we like run Facebook groups and things like that with our our parents sure sure um but yeah none of the brownies call me call me Stephanie they all call me interesting
0: Okay, so the closest thing for those who are listening, because I have such a a variety of people in this community who um, some of them are brand new and some of them have been involved with um, Girl Scouting in the USA for a really long time. And so for those of you who are newer, the closest thing that we have to something like this in the U.S. is camp names, where um, there's a bunch of tradition that varies depending on where you are uh, in the U.S., about how you get your camp name, whether you pick it, whether it's given to you, um, whether it's given to you as part of ceremony or whether it comes up organically. There's all kinds of different ways people get camp names, but there are things like that, like Kingfisher, that you um kind of take on and then at camp that's the only name you go by and if you send girls to resident camps in the summer to summer camp programs overnight they will only know their counselors by their camp names they don't know their counselors non-girl scout names so um that's the closest thing we have but traditionally in the u.s we go by just our regular names or whatever you decide you want the girls to call you um at troop meetings and such. So, do you do you call it a camp name, or is it just what? How? Um, no, it's my brownie name. Um, I have to say, I uh, so I
1: imagine a lot of uh, not all leaders will have a name. I would say most pe- most people do, if they're a a leader, uh, have a different name, especially in rainbows. So that are five to seven year olds. And brownies, which are the seven to ten year olds, guides maybe not so much. When I was a guide, our leaders did have a funny name. Like uh, they were all birds as well. They were so my guide leader was called Heron, uh, but I did know her real name. So it was a sort of it was a toss up whether we called her Heron or Arlene, basically (laughs) in guide meetings. But um, I'd say most leaders of like the younger kids will be called. Um, something different at brownie meetings Um, like I said most brownie leaders are called brown owl but I'm kingfisher which does actually make it really really useful if we go to a really big um, meetup so there's a lot of different brownie units there of course there's you know seven brown owls and I'm the only kingfisher which is actually quite helpful (laughs) Um, so everybody knows who I am whereas there will be a lot of which brown owl? Do you mean that brown owl or that brown owl? <laughs> which uh, can get a bit confusing for everybody, not just the girls. Um, so yeah, I'd say most of the leaders will have a funny name with the younger the younger crowd. Uh, at the moment, we've got, I'm Kingfisher, um, and my other leader is called Merlin, and we've got a, a phoenix at the moment, but we've had lots of different Funny names. you can mouse, already
0: tell everything. just from the names for your current group. I can already tell that you're my kind of people, and I would like. To you, so <laughs> that, that sounds fun to me. Um. Okay. Last question on the naming thing, and then I promise we'll move on because there's so much to talk about. But um, so with brownie units, they generally have the same, like brown owl. Um. It, what What about in the other levels? Like for rainbows, do they have the same? no I don't, names? I don't think they do they don't they don't have the tradition
1: like in brownies it's a tradition
0: okay yeah and I think that so that's an interesting thing Um, and I know you had told me before we um got on this call together that you're really interested in um kind of the brownies history in general um, yeah. so this is something that I've kind of found too very interesting is that it seems like the brownie movement here as well is steeped in a whole bunch of tradition that really doesn't exist at the other levels. So, do you have anything that you've learned or that you want to share um, a- about kind of the history of brownies in general worldwide and/or cool traditions or what you know about brownieism? <laughs>
1: um yeah we've got because it's brownies is quite an old level we've been around since um 1910 I think in the UK so uh or 1914 possibly can't remember um but we have got a lot of traditions so there's a lot of very traditional songs that all the girls sing we've got traditional names for um the sixes so we've got a you have a brownie unit you split them up into sixes, which are usually groups of smaller groups of girls that you can say, right, you know, this this six of girls is going to go and do that game. And this six of girls is going to go and do that craft. It just makes it a lot easier because we've generally got quite large, larger air groups than Girl Scouts, I think. Um, at the moment, we've got 18 brownies in my unit. And that's quite small for us. I think my maximum is 24 that I can I will be able to run in the space that we have. So um, it does make it a lot easier to split them up into smaller groups for so doing crafts and playing games and stuff. And so there's a very traditional set of names that you call each group, which can be which are named after um, sort of sort of fairy folk so there's gnomes and elves and pixies and things like that we've got we've got gnomes sprites and imps at the moment in my unit um there's a very traditional story that you're supposed you know that the brownies know that how the brownies got their name and it's very very steeped in that quite early 1900s storytelling tradition i think from it's about very specific kind of Edwardian childhoodness, I think, uh, especially here in the UK. Um, so it is quite interesting to see other people who have done it a completely different way, who may have started the brownies from a different point of view, if that makes sense, because we're starting it from a very English, traditional English, little girls in straw hats and big frocks kind of way. And it's just grown from that. I don't know if that makes sense. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it totally makes sense. I, I think it's really interesting. So you stay at the brownie level, correct? I you do. don't move up I with do. your girls. I don't no, I don't go, I don't change
1: when our brownies get old enough. So they come into to my unit at seven, they leave at 10. So and I send them to a send them to a, a lady who's been a guide leader for a very, very long time so we are i have i've spoken to like other american girl scout leaders and they are very they've said that they know the girls that they have whereas i know the age that i have so everything in my house is you know i've got folders of crafts and games and everything which is very very specifically for 7 to 10 year olds
0: not yeah i definitely the girls that I have on this podcast, I've definitely talked to US volunteers who do both, um, but I think it's much more the norm to move up with your girls here. But, um, but I have talked to people who stay at their existing level. And a lot of times um, our, when our units are associated with school, and especially if the volunteers involved are also teachers, they tend to stay with the same level of girls yeah. and rather than moving up um, but that is certainly not universal that all teacher volunteers um, stay yeah. at the same level right like it, it d- definitely varies um, but I do think yeah it's kind of opposite of our probably tradition and the size thing is really interesting to me too because I've talked to super troops on here as we call them that have 40 60 80 girls um, across several levels and um, they We'll have to break out into smaller groups, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, the minimum here is five. So I've also talked to people with really small troops. So that is very interesting. I think eighteen to twenty four is not unusual,
1: but it's yeah. okay. not
0: the norm for sure. I think like ten to twelve is probably a lot
1: more normal. I mean, I would be fine with having more. In my unit I think the maximum I've ever had in a unit was I think I had 36 once but that was where we were meeting the hall that we were meeting in was a lot larger than the hall that we're meeting in currently is quite a small building so there physically isn't the space to have 36 small girls playing running around games or one year you know, needing to separate into different spaces 24 is the maximum I'd have in the hall that we have at the moment uh but like I said 36 I've had before that was that was quite fun actually <laughs> we could do a lot
0: <laughs> yeah I am a I'm a fan of the big groups too um, so if somebody wants to, as an adult, get involved with the movement in your area, do they get assigned, like, I just have this sort of impression, and I could be completely wrong, that you have a lot more organizational structure than we do. Um, Mm. Are you, like, kind of assigned to, uh, like, if somebody wanted to be involved in your neighborhood, in the same level that you're involved with, would they get assigned to your group, or would they start a new group? Like, how they would definitely not
1: start a new group that would be um I think you'd want to be a lot more experienced in the level that you're in and you'd also need to have a um so you'd need to get your leadership qualification because we'd have to, you'd have to do like the, a lot of um a qualification book that we have to go through to be able to run the unit um so I've done all of that so I've got a warrant which means that I can be in charge of the entire unit. So it all comes down to me, basically, when it, we have to do um, risk assessments and the money and things like that that we take in. Um, so I think if somebody, if my next door neighbour turned around and said, how do I become a new leader? You direct them to our organisation's web, uh, website. So that's uh, Girl Guiding UK, I think, um, girlguiding.com org maybe um I've just got it saved in my book <laughs> um so there is like a link so you can click a button that says join join up with you know as either a girl or as a volunteer leader and then they you can nominate which group I would like to help out but yeah I mean usually so the division commissioner who is in charge of like all of the, go- the units in one li- one geographic area would get in contact with them and say, how are you for Tuesday nights? We've got a, We've got a unit over here who really needs more help. Could you help them? Um, I've done it. I've had leaders through another way as well. Uh, uh, quite a few years ago now, I uh, didn't have any help in my unit. Uh, the, one of the ladies, the lady that I was supposed to be running it with had uh, had an emergency, she couldn't help any anymore so I was sort of on my own basically Um, I had a few mums come in and help but um, so I thought to myself who do I know that can possibly help me at my unit and one of my best friends who lives in my town he used to be a scout leader so a boy scout leader and he was literally the only person that I knew anywhere near me who I knew that I could make him stand up in front of a room of seven to ten year olds and he could explain how to play a game or help run a craft or something like that so I've been running the unit with him for the last oh seven years he got his wife involved so she was uh, uh, she's one of my assistant leaders as well um we are one of the only units in our area that's got a male helper which is kind of you know the opposite way around it usually is but yeah we've um you can sort of go right I'm going to go and help specifically help this one unit because I know the leader already or something but you can just join up and somebody will go could you help on Tuesdays or whatever day they meet if there, are if they there is definitely a unit that will need somebody to come and help um so yeah sort of all through the website really Uh, Yeah, I think we do have a lot more sort of top down control from. Yeah, I just have to
0: tell you, um, you said qualification process that you have to go Mm. through. And I started laughing and I know that I can't be alone because um, not that there isn't training. There totally is required training here, but um, I wouldn't say it's a qualification process. Wow. I think that that would be an exaggeration. There's definitely just to be clear, there is definitely like a background check and things to make sure that you don't yeah. have like a criminal record or, uh, yeah, or anything we, like yeah, that. But um, that would prevent you from being safe to work with kids. But uh, anyway, so but otherwise, yeah, the training um, does exist. It totally varies here. And I'm just so curious, what does the qualification process look like if somebody wants to uh, be a volunteer leader?
1: Um, Okay, so there's uh, four parts to it. Uh, The first three are just if you want to be a leader. And then the final part, part four, will be a very specific if you want to run the actual unit. So that's a lot more of like the financial side and of it, Um, then part three is uh, unit specific. So that means um, if you want to be a rainbow leader or a brownie leader or a guide leader, that bit will change. So I've done all of my qualifications just specifically for brownies. But if I woke up tomorrow and decided I wanted to be a girl guide leader, I would only have to redo part three, which is the bit which is very age range specific. So that part will be um, plan some uh, activities for them that are for that age range. So obviously what you would arrange to do with rainbows would be completely different to what you want to arrange with guides. So you'd you'd play different games, you'd make different crafts, you'd do lots of different things because of the ability. Um, And then like the first two uh, parts of the qualification are going to be a lot more about, um, com- how to communicate with the parents, how to, um, you know, send letters out, how to make sure everyone's being safe. So you have to do like a fire safety check of the place that you're meeting in, just, you know, run a, run a fire drill, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I think, I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily feel safe if I hadn't had done all of that to be honest totally there's
0: a lot of people who don't um (laughs) feel safe um I think that one of the reasons why I started this podcast which you and I were chatting about before I hit record is that um the training is so different it wide widely varies here and but a lot of it here is very much do you want to do this for girls if so Then start something. You need to find the minimum number of volunteers and the minimum number of girls. And then you have to make sure your ratios are correct. So, as you have more girls, you have to have more volunteers. You find a place to meet, and um, here's the badge programming you work with your girls to work through it. Like good luck. And, um, they're definitely to be more fair. There definitely is a lot more um, development going on with more streamlined training. Um, yeah. my council, my area has pretty good training as far as what to expect in like childhood development for any given level. So if you're starting with our youngest group, which I guess the rainbow is equivalent for you is Daisy's here. Um, Rainbows is earliest, right? I'm not making that yeah. up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I know i was like, oh, yeah, I assume I'm correct. And then I thought I should. ask. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, you know, they'll talk about for us, that's um, kindergarten first. So like five, six, maybe seven years old. And so at five, what is the childhood development like and how might that show up at your meetings? What's their attention span? Like what's their energy level, like those kinds of things. And then as you level up in theory, you take um, cause in theory, you're moving up with your girls. You take level training for each of the levels you move up to. Um, and then certainly for handling money and things like that, we have required training and we also have this like kind of encompassing training, which I feel like is maybe more similar to what you're saying, which, yeah, has been called different things in different places over the years but I believe getting started is like a pretty universal term at this point and it's kind of like troop management and um but I don't know if this is similar but like even before the pandemic for me that was just online you just kind of like clicked through like an interactive yeah, we, we do, training thing some,
1: yeah we do have some like online training um that we can do it's a lot of it is um Especially, obviously, since you said that on after since the pandemic, a lot more of it has gone online. But um, there is obviously a lot that you we have we are doing that you can only do when you're physically in a meeting because obviously you need to check fire exits or run or sort of talk to the girls. I think so. Uh, but yeah, I know. I yeah. know. I've done. I've done on, some online stuff as well. Um, a lot of that has been sort of like um, safe space training, which is. Um, of more what to do if a girl comes to you with a problem if you're like an you know you're a, obviously a trusted adult in their life and they come to you and say I, you know this is a problem that's happened to me so there's a we have a lot of focus on that um, which is good. I think definitely.
0: Yeah. I think that's really good. I, that sounds like a really good training and I'd be really interested. I, I definitely have pursued things like that, um, for myself. And I think a lot of people who are involved longer term seek out, um, a lot more development like that if they have the time and the bandwidth too, but yeah, the, the minimum requirements to get started are pretty low. I feel like here. And, um, in addition, and like the background check is the big thing. Um, and then, and that you need to start, right? Like you can't start until you have that, um, registered and background check because that covers you by insurance. And also because then, you know, you have your background check on file, but the training, I feel like there's a little bit of a grace period and you sort of have to be starting your troop at the same time as you're doing the training. Um, and frankly, I know that there's a lot of people who got no training or, uh, feel like they got no training. <laughs> um, and there are definitely areas too. I want to like give people credit who usually volunteer driven that are, they see that volunteers need more support and training than that. Um, yeah. and so they're doing, um, a lot of in-person support for new troop leaders. But again, if that's volunteer driven, then that means it's going to be really locally centered. And so therefore, it's going to, I mean, somebody in one place is going to be totally different from somebody 500 or a thousand miles away. So it just totally varies. Um, Let's talk about the organization. Um, where you are. Because I think that although there's a lot of differences, like what we were just saying, I also think the heart of the organization is going to feel really similar, which is why we obviously refer to this as like a movement. Um, But if you're new, that might be kind of a new concept to you. And I've talked about that on this podcast before of why do we call it a movement? And so I think this will kind of help. Can you tell us a little bit about things like um, a promise or law or mission statement or all of the above? Uh, yeah, I can do
1: uh, I can do the Brownie promise and I can do the Brownie law, but don't ask me about the, gu- uh, the guide law. Uh, the, brown- <laughs> the, the guide law is a lot longer and I haven't learned it since I was a guide. It's fallen out of my brain a very long time ago. Um, but uh, OK, so the Brownie promise is I promise that I will do my best to be true to myself and develop my beliefs, to serve the Queen and my community, to help other people and to keep the Brownie guide law. And the brownie guide law is a brownie guide thinks of others before herself and does a good turn every day. So that's what my that's what my girls promise, which is probably quite similar to a lot of promises. Obviously, I'm pretty sure you guys won't have the queen in there. But (laughs) obviously, the uh, obviously the being being true to yourself and your beliefs and serving the community and generally being nice to people is, I think, quite a.
0: (laughs) overarching ideals totally you know the nuances of the differences I could probably do an entire podcast just about the nuances of the differences between your promise and our promise but we're we won't do that on this episode um I tend to dig into I feel like you would be on the same page as this just from the conversation we've had so far both recorded and not recorded but um I like to dig into kind of the social issues and things like that on the show and how it impacts um us as as volunteers of a youth serving organization but um we will not make this episode that um <laughs> what about an overarching kind of mission of the entire guiding organization in the UK I mean I think that, I think
1: it's basically covered by the promise that we make um I we're obviously uh, a lot, lot about um community action and helping the girls sort of figure things out for themselves really um obviously they need to you need to grow up and work out what you want to do where you want to be what do you believe in um I don't think I mean I don't think we've got a single specific mission statement or at least one that doesn't change every so often I can possibly remember but I think that's I think that covers it really I think as a volunteer that's what you're you're trying to do and it is a brilliant feeling to take you know get a girl at seven and then send them to guides at the age of 10 and just seeing them completely like mature as it were into definitely different I remember many years ago we took some of the girls to a sleepover for one night and there was a lot of other girls there um And we took this girl who was about, I think she was about eight, but she was the quietest girl that we had probably ever had at Brownie. She never spoke up to anyone. She was very nervous and very, very quiet. And by the end of the weekend that we'd taken them on, we couldn't shut her up. And we got her back to, you know, we started back back at Brownies and there were a lot of girls who hadn't gone on this sleepover and they were absolutely just blown away when she just opened her mouth and just started talking to everybody that literally almost the day after she'd come back from this sleepover and it was just this one sleepover and she suddenly just came out of her shell and it was absolutely fantastic to, to watch. Um, by the time she went to guys, you know, we had to tell her to shush you know all the time it was brilliant um that was a really nice feeling for me I think you know she'd obviously something had she'd had so much fun on this one sleepover that it was suddenly brought her out of her shell and she just almost a completely different person it was amazing to watch so much
0: so much similar there I mean I think every single person who is not brand new um, has a relatable experience. And that's exactly why we do what we do. And I love it. It like makes my heart feel so full. And I love the thought that, um, you know, most of the scope of this podcast has been, these are the moments that are happening and the, the growth that's happening for girls in this organization um, here across the country. But this is like, kind of mind blowing to really think about what the movement offers girls literally all over the world of the same kind of, um, of growth and expansion and development opportunities It's just crazy. Okay. How would you describe the kind of typical Brownie experience, uh, in, in the UK? Like what kind of activities do Brownies do? What kind of events, what are meetings like what kind of badges do you earn? Tell me just, uh, all the things.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, our brownies, we meet every Monday um, during term time. Um, we personally meet for an hour and 15 minutes. Um, some brownies will meet for a little bit longer, some brownie units will meet for maybe a little bit less. Um, but we basically do lots of badges, which I think most people do. Um, they changed our program. A while ago, a couple of years ago, to slightly different. So now we have, this is very difficult, very complicated to explain. Once you see it written down, you go, oh yeah. Um, so we have six themes um, and in each of those themes we have skills builder badges. Uh, we have um, 24 total uh, skills builders, uh, which can be things like uh first aid or camping or things like that the brownies work towards those during meetings uh they work for interest badges at home um then if they do a skills builder and an interest badge and a certain amount of activities in one theme they get a theme award if you get two theme awards you get a bronze award if you get four you get a silver award and if you get all six you get your gold award I did tell you it was very complicated to explain out loud Sorry. um so we've worked to those a lot but obviously with there's a lot more
0: in our brownie meetings than just just doing all of that um, okay wait I just want to pause you real quick I'm fascinated <laughs> and I want to keep going and hear all the all the rest but confusing. um I mean I think, though, anybody who's involved in scouting or guiding kind of already has a sort of fundamental understanding that makes it not too not too overwhelming. But I'm interested because bronze, silver and gold here has a completely different connotation where um, our gold award is the highest award a U.S. Girl Scout can earn in high school. Um, And it's uh, giving back to her community, taking action in her community. solving the root cause or or a project that um, impacts the root causes of an issue that she identifies in her community Um, it's essentially the equivalent as far as rank you could call it goes to like an eagle scout in boy scouts here in the U.S. Um, yeah which I think is is I don't know anything about boy scouts even in the U.S. so I really don't know (laughs) um, internationally I'm sorry because even here it's scouts BSA now but um, anyway so Um, I'm interested. So brownies can earn a bronze, silver, or gold level. Everyone does. So so it's it's at each level. Starting with
1: rainbows. Yeah. So rainbows have got a bronze, silver, and gold. gold, The rainbow gold award is the highest award they can earn in rainbows. The brownie gold award, highest they can award in brownies. And uh, then the guides and our rangers, who are the 14 to 18 year olds. They've obviously got theirs as well. So... Each level has got a gold award, which and is the top level. They have to have done, they basically have to have done everything. So here, a of additional challenges.
0: This sounds a lot closer to that makes sense. This sounds a lot closer here to um, journeys and then the summit award that girls can earn at each level, which is again going to make more sense to those listening who are in the US. But I just kind of want to have like, a sort of benchmark for comparison if it was confusing or overwhelming then like this is our closest <laughs> equivalent
1: yeah I'm not very good at explaining I'm not very good at explaining to brownies or anybody Quite frankly, no I <laughs> think
0: first of all you're the brownie expert so don't even talk about yourself that way and second <laughs> of all I I felt like I followed fine I mean I don't I'm sure the ins and outs of it like of course I don't know but um I feel like I'm following you okay so what else what kinds of things do you do at meetings? What kind of events and activities do girls, do brownies do in the UK?
1: Um, we basically do almost almost anything you want. Um, one of the most recent, uh, well, a recent activity we did uh, this term was um, we learned how to program a robot. The robot was played by our one of our, our helpers. <laughs> um, but basically, we made a maze and they had to write a program which got the person through the maze so it was very basic sort of computer programming that was great fun we had a um, back to the future style evening because it was our unit 66th birthday so we dressed up in old uniforms and we did some activities that brownies from the 1950s would have done so we Polished some metal with brass, but you know, with metal polish, and learnt about the Union flag and lots of you know very 1950s activities. That was a good one. We enjoyed that. Um, we've we tested different kinds of um, cola and chocolate to make sure that you know if you paying paying for the really expensive ones. Then hopefully the really expensive ones taste better, but apparently they don't. So, or maybe we just, maybe we're just cheap. We don't know. Uh, That was really fun because obviously that involved eating a lot of chocolate, which is obviously very, very popular at brownies. Um, We've made pencil cases. We've thought about what jobs we want to do in the future. We do tend to try and keep a very like mixed program of things that also fit into our. Um, overarching program of the skills builders and the theme awards so we can sort of tick things off on the quiet while while we're getting the brownies to just you know make robots or pencil cases or something. (laughs) We've done loads of really cool stuff we try and take them away uh, for activities outside of the meeting place so we've done things like um, an archery taster session We've gone climbing at the local climbing wall that went down really well. We've been to the cinema. We've done, you know, lots of things like that. Um, We try and go on sleepovers. So unfortunately, we obviously we haven't been able to go away at all for the last couple of years. But um, we've been on sleepovers. We've done um, activity days with a lot of other units. We had like a big thinking day a couple of years ago, which was everybody so we had rainbows there different brownies guides rangers like everybody in guiding was there that was great fun to sort of see other brownies I think for them that they sort of go oh it's not just us it's it's everyone and that's why I like trying to bring in a lot of like the international stuff because I personally am quite interested in the international aspects of guiding. so It is quite interesting to me for them to understand that there are eight year olds in America who are also brownies or there are eight year olds in New Zealand or Spain or anywhere you like that will also be having a similar experience to you. They're going to meetings, they're wearing uniform, they're having fun, eating chocolate in the same way that you are. And I think that's quite a nice thing for them to realize as well, that it's all very overarching. It's the whole world. There's lots of
0: people doing it. So talk to me about how earning money works in your organization. What does that look like? Do you sell biscuits aka cookies <laughs> no no we don't at all
1: um all of our funds come through subscriptions from the parents so I charge um 30 pounds a term per brownie um and from that we pay the rent on the hall that we meet at we pay for all the craft supplies and badges and everything so it is just coming from their parents we have occasionally had like a a fundraising evening but most of the time we're fundraising for a very specific thing so we had like a talent show and invited all the parents and the par- we charged the parents like tea and coffee and to come in but that was fundraising to send one of our guides was going to our chalet in Switzerland is on a guide trip and so we were fundraising for her or well, we were fundraising for I think Uh, save the children or something so none of the very very little of the money that we're fundraising goes to our unit it will go to somebody else um so pretty much like 99% of the funds that we get are directly from the parents paying the 30 pounds a term
0: we don't sell anything you said um so I think in USD that's going to be around 40 bucks and how Um, often do they do that a year once a term.
1: So for instance, uh, thirty I charge 30 pounds in September, and that would take them up to Christmas.
0: Okay. So so that's some good perspective because um there's a lot of troops here who charge dues or question whether they should charge dues or what does that look like and what kind of dollar amount are we talking about? And of course, again, that's gonna totally depend on the area, your families, like what people can do. And of course, we do sell cookies to earn money, and so um, among um, other other money earning activities that we also do here, so um, there's it's a weird balance, but that I think is quite steep compared to um, what a lot of troops here would consider for dues, because obviously we supplement with other money earning activities. Yeah, and so I just think that's an interesting, that's an interesting I think,
1: thought. I <laughs> think
0: the other way of looking
1: at it is, especially um, from a lot of our parents, is um, I've had m- more comments saying that. We're much, we're very good value, because how much they're spending on dance lessons, gymnastics lessons. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yes. Absolutely. They're doing after
1: turn, we are still a lot as brownies. We are still a lot cheaper. Obviously. Definitely. If, we, if we're doing something out of the meeting place, we will charge extra for that. Okay. So, for instance, if we're going to the cinema, then we will charge a separate. You know. Oh, and it's going to be ten pounds for the cinema trip. On top of that, whatever makes your
0: total sense, and we some troops also do that here, just depending on their cookie sales and what you know, what kind of money they do or don't have access to, and how big of an adventure it is that they're trying to take. So, um, very, very similar, and I 100% agree with you, that's one of our. Um, recruiting talking points actually is about the financial investment into Girl Scouts here compared to um, the financial investment into other standard kid activities. It, there's yeah. just no comparison. So um, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely with you. Um, <laughs> but I know some people have this weird, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to call you guys weird, but um, a, <laughs> a, a sensitivity or an insecurity about charging dues and um, almost feeling guilty asking parents to pay dues to um, be part of the troop. And I think that a lot of that probably is related to the organizational structure that we were talking about earlier, where when you're just getting started and you're just kind of pulling this all together and coming up with stuff and just flying by the seat of your pants and sort of figuring it out as you go in the beginning, um, it's, it's a lot harder to then ask parents to shell out, money to contribute to an experience that you've never even done you don't even know what it looks like yet because you're just starting um so i think to to give people a little more credit as to why it feels uncomfortable i think that that is related um (laughs) sorry what did you say
1: i said that yeah i mean that may it does make sense i mean like i said if if i ever had a parent who was questioning whether i'm what i'm doing i I have got bits of paper that say well I've done this this is my qualifications I've been doing it for 22 years
0: yeah well and having done it for Um, a long time I think makes a big difference too because I think that's true even here you know I don't have um 22 years of leading experience of experience being a leader but I definitely I'm comfortable saying here's, first of all, here's my photo album, right? Like if it's a recruitment conversation, here's my photo album of all the cool things that we've done. And in the last few years and, um, and here I can speak to, these are the ins and outs of the program. And again, that's a big reason why I do this podcast too, is so that anybody listening can speak to the ins and outs of the program, um, which should make you feel a little bit more legit, hopefully, but, um, (laughs) Okay, so talk to me about your why. Why did you originally decide to get involved as a volunteer? And why do you keep on coming back?
1: Um, I, I've, I've always, my mum has always said that when I was seven, because I'm old enough to have not been around when rainbows was a thing. Um, she said, when I was seven, the only thing I wanted to do was be a brownie. Um, because I think my older cousin was a Boy Scout. And I think he was telling me all the cool stuff he did as a Boy Scout. And I must have said at some stage, I want to be a Boy Scout. And my mum said, you can't be a Boy Scout, but you can be a Brownie. And so the only thing I wanted to do when I was seven was I couldn't wait. I was waiting, waiting until my seventh birthday, so I could join the Brownies. And I went and I loved it. And I went to guides, and I loved guides, and I went to rangers, and I loved rangers. And once you're 18, you can become an adult leader. And so I started being an adult leader, and I loved doing that. I have never stopped loving the entire, every single aspect of girl guiding. I have never stopped loving doing it. Um, So there was no question for me when I was 18 that, I wouldn't go on to be an adult leader it was just well of course I'm going to be an adult leader because I want to continue having all this fun that I've been having up until now I want to keep going I don't want to just stop and go and do something else I want to keep going and make sure all these other people have exactly the same amount of fun that I had when I was a kid so yeah it was never it was never a it was never a question for me that I wasn't going to be a leader and then I just uh, I was a guide leader for a very, very short time. Um, but I was asked to take over a Brownie unit and I found that that was, that was the level, that was the age range that I absolutely love working with. I thought it, they're great fun to work with. They come out with the most hilarious things to say sometimes. Um, they're really cool. I love, it. love working with seven to 10 year olds because they're just the most fantastic age range. Um, yeah, no. I couldn't imagine
0: not doing it. That's, that's why basically. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> and I think it's so fun too, because I just had um, an interview come out the week before we're recording this. So it will be a long time in between it airing, but, um, and she and I were talking about the age levels that we really connect with. Um, for me, it's that, Preteen into young teenage time, which is like middle grades um, for us. It's middle school. I don't know what the school terminology is in the UK, which is kind of embarrassing. But I really don't. Um, and uh, and the person who I was talking to really loves high school, the oldest, you know, fourteen to eighteen year olds. And I just think it's interesting how we kind of all find like I love all of it, and I think yeah. you know we would all agree we love it all, but. Um, but it's interesting when you find the, the aspects of the program that really are the most fun or mean the most to you. And so I think it's really it's really special to hear you talk about loving brownies. I love that.
1: Yeah, it's the only thing I wanted. She said, oh, you can try. a, uh, You know, I tried a dance class and I didn't want to do that. I tried an art class and I didn't want to do that. The only thing it's the only thing I wanted to do was be a brownie. And then I absolutely adored it. I love that. I must have had really good, I think I really had re- really good leaders as well throughout the entire yeah. time I was a kid. So I hope that I'm that person. Somebody's going to look back yeah. in their 30, yeah, when they're older and think, oh, my brownie leader was great. She was hilarious. Yeah, what, I'm sure like- you are. <laughs> I'm sure you are
0: that person. Yes, definitely. Um, okay. So you shared a really cool story about watching a girl come out of her shell um, at an overnight and then how that impacted her after that. Um, And I want to ask you, what is another one of your kind of proudest moments as a leader? Oh, um,
1: okay. So we went on a really big adventure day. So it wasn't just us. It was a load of rainbows and brownies and guides. It was the entire district. So there were a lot of people there. And it was a really, really muddy day, really wet. It had been raining all weekend. It was absolutely horrible. And uh, one of the activities we were doing is grass sledging. So we were going, you know, dragging the sledge up a hill and then sledging back down on the grass. And we had this brownie who had only just started and she was always so neat. You know, her hair was always perfect. She always wore sort of princess shoes. and uh, she was dragging this uh, sledge up the hill and fell over right into the largest mud puddle that there was in the entire field and obviously I ran over oh my goodness are you okay and sort of picked her up and she just looked at me with the most serious eyes and said it's all right Kingfisher my mum said that if I don't come back muddy I hadn't had enough fun and I went Yes, yes, of course. So that's been my mantra for the the rest of the time. I think if you don't come back muddy, you obviously haven't had enough fun. It just, it was, I was very proud of her and it just made me laugh because it was just such a thing to say. And, and like I said, she was always so neat and we were really worried that she'd be very upset that she had fallen over and gotten covered in mud um but she wasn't not at all she just looked at us all it was a wonderful moment it just made us laugh um and yeah I tell I tell all the brownies that now if you don't come back muddy you haven't had enough fun it just made me laugh
0: that's great Um, I love that
1: uh we've just had also we just had a a a girl come and help us she's a guide now so she's about 13 14 now um but she was one of my old brownies and she came back to help as a as a guide helper and seeing you know she's always you she, oh, know she's always telling us oh I had such great fun at brownies and I wanted to come back so that was really I was very very proud of her for, for that as well um she's very good she's brilliant I think she's going to be a fantastic leader if she carries on with that she's and I'll be even more proud of that I think to see some of my brownies go on to become leaders in their own right that'll be great I've never this is the first time I've managed to live in the same place for long enough to be able to see that Um, so hopefully going forwards will be I'll start to see some of my old brownies in our district come through as young leaders and leaders That would be very nice to see, definitely.
0: Yes. I had one of my girls, oh my gosh, I actually had forgotten about this till you just triggered this memory. It was a while, a while back, but um, during brownies, I had one of my girls, we were going around sharing what um, jobs the girls might be interested in pursuing when they grow up. And um, one of them said that she wanted to be a troop leader. And first of all, I mean, that isn't a job, like, sorry to say, but um, secondly, I just thought it was so cute and special because she, I mean, her only experience with Girl Scouts was with me. So that felt yeah. like, I don't know, it felt really cool. So I totally get that. You're
1: doing, you're doing something right. Yeah. Okay. It's a great yeah. feeling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what's one of the absolute absolute coolest adventures or experiences you've gotten to do with guides as an adult volunteer?
1: Um, okay, so I don't, I wasn't um, an actual It wasn't actually organized by Girl Guiding. But the one thing that I would never have done if I wasn't a um, leader is um, a few years ago, um, I had the opportunity to go on holiday to America. And me and my mum were supposed to be going to... We were supposed to be going... I can't remember where we were going. uh, Washington, D.C., I think. Um, But we were going for a week and we were going to just sort of travel around a little bit see the uh, east coast of America and my mum said to me where do you want to go and I said you know where I've always wanted to what I've always wanted to see and she said where and I said I really want to go to Savannah Georgia and she said why and I said it's a Girl Scout thing it's fine so um I really enjoyed that I went to um the Juliet Gordon Low House and the headquarters um And I booked a ticket and the people in the headquarters emailed me and they said, uh, would you mind if there was a Girl Scout troop on your tour? And I was like, no, that would be great. And so I bought a load of English brownie badges to take to them. And we met this Girl Scout troop from Philadelphia, I think, um, on this tour of the uh, old headquarters in Savannah, Georgia. I loved it. It was brilliant. It was great fun.
0: That's so cool. And I'm so glad to hear that you loved it because it's one of those things that obviously I think is interesting. I got to go when I was, um, I think 12 and, um, it meant, a lot to me to get to have that experience but um it's interesting to hear it from an international perspective like does it have international appeal especially when you put it right up against uh touring Washington DC like it's not (laughs) as interesting as Washington DC I don't know I mean you have to
1: to me I've I've been to the headquarters in the UK um I've been to Pax Lodge which is obviously in London as well um so those were both really cool experiences I had to Um, I really enjoyed both of those but I don't know it was it was a company it was like a sort of very this is the this is the American version that was kind of nice Um, I think though I think the most impressive the I don't I don't think impressive is not necessarily the right word I think the most interesting experience I have ever had as a guide was I went on an international camp it was just in the UK but obviously there are a lot of international girls there Um, and I was on this little sub camp with some girls from Kuwait and this was back in the 90s and we got talking to them and it turned out they were the first Kuwaiti girl guides who were allowed out of the country after they reinstated the movement after the first Gulf War and talking to them about obviously they had to completely stop during the Gulf War they weren't you know they weren't allowed to meet they weren't allowed to do anything that was really interesting to me and they uh, gave us they gave me one of their uh, Girl Scout badges or Girl Guide badges rather and so that was that's probably, I've got my camp blanket with all my badges sewn on. And if anyone ever asked me which is my favourite, it's definitely that one, just because of the story behind it, because they were, like I said, the first guides out of the, to leave the country on an international camp after that experience for them. That was very interesting. Um, it's sort of similar to when I was very, very young. One of my guide leaders was... Uh, A young girl in Jersey during the second world war so she had to like hide her guide uniform under floorboards she wasn't allowed to do it that was that's a real big eye-opener for me with the history side of it that there are some girls that can't have these experiences because of politics so it's a very that's very moving to me that they come back and they're still part of it afterwards after all these horrible things have happened that it's so important to them that as soon as they can they're back into guiding or scouting or whatever their local unit is it's very
0: cool that's very powerful I have two more questions that I really want to ask you so hopefully you have time um because they're my my favorite one of them is my favorite (laughs) question to ask and the other one is new to the series but um so first of all girl scouting and guiding isn't just to help girls grow it helps adults grow too so what is one way you've been impacted or changed through the experience of volunteering as an adult leader um I'm not sure it's there's so many things that I
1: would never have learned I think I mean obviously there's things like I've got a lot of first aid qualifications that I would never have had so there's a lot of qualifications like that um I'm not sure really. I think because I've been doing it for so long, it's very difficult for me to untangle my experiences as an adult leader with my experiences since I was seven. So there are things that I learned as a guide that I still do. Um, so I learned um, some sign language for a badge, and I still have that, I still know that. Um, I automatically tie any two pieces of string I get with a reef knot. I physically cannot tie them in, in any other way. Um, so, yeah, that's a very interesting question for me because it's very difficult to separate the two sides of it, the adult volunteering experiences. and the, you know. Yeah,
0: I suppose that makes sense. And in a way that kind of speaks to the benefits of, of Girl Scouting slash guiding um in general because the impact that being a leader had on you is so linked to the impact that being a girl involved in the organization had on you yeah um,
1: I, that's all I want to I just want to be as good a brownie leader as my brownie leaders and
0: I love that <laughs> okay one more one more Done what does girl scouting slash guiding mean to you
1: oh having fun Having an awful lot of fun. I've, we have never not laughed um, in a brownie meeting. I have never not laughed, even if we're having a district meeting where all of the leaders from all the different units in our local area come together and talk about, you know, oh, this is what headquarters has said, or you know, talking about finances. I've never not laughed during one of those meetings because we are all there for a common purpose there's lots of in jokes with it we're just we just have so much fun we really do I never not laughed during anything and I think that's really special to me is that it is all tied up with how much fun I have had through my life like every single thing was fun to do and sometimes it may have been a bit scary and sometimes it may have been a bit emotional but it was always fun
0: I think I love this. And I feel like I could talk to you about just really an endless number of topics, but I will not keep you. (laughs) Um, So I really appreciate your time and coming and hanging out with me on a podcast today. No problem. If you've got any more questions, just email me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) you might be sorry that you offered that up. Um, (laughs) Well, for those of you who are listening, I hope that you enjoy Mm. this. Please let me know what you think, um, because I do have quite a few of these that I'm going to do. I'm thinking about this as a limited series in the spirit of World Thinking Day and um, just kind of having more of a global mindset and connecting to the global sisterhood. But this is definitely something that I could keep trying to do. Obviously, my resources are limited of connecting for connecting with other people, but the internet is a beautiful place sometimes. And, um, and I'll certainly do my best. If you want to hear more of these, let me know what you think. If you have ideas or suggestions about other topics of conversation or other people that you'd like to hear me connect with on this podcast for you, please let me know. And you can do that by emailing me at girl scout podcast at gmail.com or hop into the Facebook group, which you can find at facebook.com slash girl scout podcast. Um, That's all for now. We'll see you next week.